0: Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secure Channel. Am I ready, room Welcome to the Readier Room, the only Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast with on-the-set stories and insights from the past coming to you today. My name is Mitchell Mells, ex-Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount Studios back in the 80s, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, Head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are we doing today? Mitch! Mitch! Despite our... Our uh, hour and a half episode last week I feel like it's been way too long since we talked Trek it's been it's been in an eon an eternity um, but slight correction it was actually an hour and 40 minutes last week's uh, episode uh, I know the, your well, memory's slipping in your advanced age it's uh
1: in any case it's, its it's been too long a gap
0: certainly certainly but we're here to fix that we're here to ameliorate the issue by bringing back the readier room after a seven day hiatus that we take every Oof. week and I'm uh, for one, I'm jazzed about it oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, got a lot a lot a lot to get through today, but before we get on to today's itinerary today's business, um we have to start out with frankly my favorite part of the show um next to the other parts that we do. Um, which is the question of the week. Our lovely oh, fans yeah. are chomping at the bit to get some hot, hot information. And this well, that's week's... Well, a great question. Is it? Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. You don't know the question yet. I know all of our fans are great, and all of our fans have great questions, but to insist that the question is great before you've heard it only serves to cheapen the fans and their questions. It's always great. It's always great, but what if, you know, it's great once we hear it. Anyway, these fans, they try... Sleep. Uh, any This week's question comes from George in the Netherlands, who emailed us uh, this time to ask, quote, What is the angriest anyone has ever gotten on the set of The Next Generation? And I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that that's a rather saucy question <laughs> certainly you know you know where i'm going with this yeah. um <laughs> so george believe it or not the all-time angriest moment of tng production came on our very first episode and big trek fans will know that that episode was called encounter at farpoint and during that uh the filming of that episode. We had a lot of stories that we told you guys about John Delancey. You listened to our episode, you know John's proclivities and all of that. But longtime Ready Room fans will remember that John has quite a number of wardrobe changes over the course of that episode's run, and really every episode he ever comes on. But anyway, between takes, John was in costume, and I think he was wearing his Roman centurion costume maybe? I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly. Yeah, no, it, was yeah, it okay.
1: was, yeah. I think you're right.
0: Okay. So, he goes to, uh, you know, the services table to, you know, get a little snacky between takes. And somebody else who was there, just some random production assistant, accidentally spilled some of the Salsa Verde that we had on John's Roman Centurion costume. And again, that's his costume. That's mm-hmm. a Delancey original. Um, And John was not Happy about it. I mean, you, because imagine like a Roman Centurion is all green or it's all gold and red, and Salsa Verde is green, so it's like clashes, the stains, really hard to get out. He starts losing his fucking mind about it. Man is oh, yeah. <laughs> livid, livid, shouting at everybody. Of course, he's shouting at the, at the poor, you know, PA who, you know, spilled a little bit of sauce on him, but he goes off denigrating every level of production because you got to like take context into account. We're filming. The first episode. TNG has no clout by this point. And, um, John certainly did not have any respect for anything that was going on or anyone at the time. Like, he called the whole mm-hmm. production, like, clown shoes, amateur hour. He's just going off the handle, uh, over the Salsa Verde. And by that point, so many of the cue scenes had been filmed that there was nothing we really could do about it. Like, we couldn't, um, fire john for being rude or uh, you know assaulting anybody or just you know being generally angry so we just had to grin and bear it um eventually we wrap shooting for the day everybody comes back the next day just tries to pretend nothing happens but from that point on all the salsa verde was replaced with just regular salsa you know mm-hmm. color works mm-hmm. a little better in case of accidents
1: yeah we uh we never did have salsa verde back on set uh throughout you know the, the entire run of the show um well, it's
0: one of those Which things. Something of the law. Yeah, and it's one of those things where the taste or the smell of something can trigger traumatic memories. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, we wouldn't want Delancey uh, you know, flying off the handle again.
0: No, no, especially once he knew that he was somebody that we wanted to bring back and he had the license yeah. to to just do anything he wanted. We couldn't take the yeah. chance. Yeah, um, we, we didn't
1: need to give him any more reason.
0: He was already a bit of a free free spirit, freewheeling uh, John Delancey, so mm-hmm. give him enough rope and he'll hang the entirety of the TNG production crew. Yeah, he certainly would. But that was the all-time angriest moment that we've had on the set. There were some kerfuffles and um, other spats over the seven seasons, but I don't think any one person ever reached the pure fury of Delancey that...
1: Was yeah, exhibited yeah.
0: that
1: day. It's a good thing we got it out of the way quick.
0: Yeah, it's it, we could only go up in terms of um, you know production mood and onset happiness levels.
1: Yeah, so.
0: yeah. Great question, George. Um, I hope the answer reaches you all the way out there in the cold, cold Netherlands. And um, anybody else, if you have a question that you want to be answered about the next generation behind the scenes lore. And data, then please send us an email at the readier room at gmail.com, capital T, capital R, capital R, or you can tweet at us or slide into the DMs of us. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're doing it. All right. So that'll take us to the main course for this week, which is um, the episode of TNG, which is called a season. Too, not a, not, wait, hold on. Too long, too short a season. Yeah, too short a season, there you go. <laughs> there <we> go.
1: <laughs> Which is episode number...
0: I 13, I want to say. I, I was going to say the same thing, yeah, I think it well, is. If we were both going to say 13, it almost assuredly is not 13.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, either episode 12 or 14,
0: folks. But... It's um certainly not too short of an episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could do with uh, just not existing at all, actually.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good way to put it because it has nothing redeeming, really. That's like, yeah, you know, I w- I would watch this again. Well, uh, you
1: know, we get lots of Crusher this episode, which is nice.
0: That's true. <laughs> that's true, but we also get lots of Crusher in the episode where she's like in a Victorian mansion with a ghost, and uh. <laughs> that, that also is not a good one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um gosh, where to start with this one? Um
0: we we could start by talking about the Victorian Mansion Ghost episode from season 7. Uh,
1: well, uh no, we might be uh we might be burying the lead here if we start talking about that.
0: Yeah. Um but it'd be more interesting
1: for us, at least, probably would, probably would, but we we do have stories to tell about this one, at the That's very true. least. So, I mean, what we're dealing with here is an episode that, you know, it's it's a classic theme. It's a theme that could be interesting, but it's marred by uh, a sloppy script and terrible acting.
0: Yeah, I think this this episode might have the worst acting that we've seen so far, and Star Trek is not. Or the next generation is not a series known for its um, actors, the, their acting no. prowess, but Certainly this not. this was particularly bad from all three mm-hmm. of the main guest stars. I would all say. of yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It it just um, uh, it, scene after scene, scene after scene of these people just lots of um, lots of telling and not showing yeah there's that too So they get they get plenty of time to kind of awkwardly um, spout expository dialogue at us yeah, sometimes monologue <laughs> yeah unfortunately um, and it's, it's uh it doesn't disservice you know both to the acting itself, but I mean, again, the concept is interesting, but you just care so little about these characters because you're not seeing. Any of the repercussions of, of uh the this this conflict um that's, you know, supposedly to be resolved by the the Admiral character getting his revenge here, you know.
0: Right. Or his um ultimately his salvation, I guess. Um mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. I think the Admiral character is where the problems with the episode first begin. Um mm-hmm. I remember Clear mm-hmm. as Day seeing those first scenes being filmed and having um uh, what is was his name, clayton i believe like in in the makeup yeah. and before i'd like read the entirety of the script i saw him in that makeup and i'm like okay i guess he's going to de-age or something because there's no other reason to have such almost objectively terrible old man makeup on, on an actor other than to have them uh, gradually de-age over, over whatever you're filming,
1: because
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it is so bad. It is so jarringly bad. Distractingly it's, it's very bad.
1: bad. Uh, makeup, makeup only had a week, <laughs> only had a week to get that uh, that, that that makeup, you know, uh, in order for the episode. So right, uh, and it shows. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, you know, as I
0: understand it, he wasn't supposed to be de aging. Um, in the original script, right? No, no, no. So it was kind of the opposite. And this is part of why they only had a week to get it together. Um, it all comes back to Clayton. Um, so he gets hired. You know, he's very excited to be on, you know, primetime television. And, um, you know, he's, he's kind of start, starting to carve out a, a niche for himself in, in Hollywood. And he reads the script, which originally had the Admiral starting young and aging rapidly. Like, a very accelerated right. aging. So at the end of the episode, he would um, appear to be much older. And the problem was that the—so the thrust of the script, there's, like, this—his the, character is a negotiator, and there's this big issue to be resolved via his negotiation skills. It, it was—the it, moral mm-hmm. of the story would be, as a young man, this negotiator is, like, pretty— rash and hot-headed and then as he ages he gets more wizened and, and just wise in general and that newfound level-headedness would save the day and then eventually he, his the accelerated aging would take his life and you know he'd have a dramatic death scene um right. not unlike the one at the end of this episode where um it's the, there's, that character saves the day there's um a dramatic confrontation and then his death the problem was that Clayton did not want to act out that final scene in the old man makeup because his goal was to have it submitted for an Emmy, like have that become part of his reel. Like that was his big um, showcase scene. And mm-hmm. if he was caked in makeup and you couldn't even recognize it was him, then what would be the point of that? It, 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 he would feel he felt like he would be it would be cheapened. so he really 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 pushed to have the story moved around and yeah it luckily it didn't call for anything new instead of aging in one direction he aged in the other but mm-hmm. because of the schedule of how these scenes are going to be shot the old man makeup which the production or makeup team thought that they had extra time to make well they had to kind of rush it out and that's what happened here um yeah so it was a whole thing it it's one actor's vanity um, really, really disrupting things. And you know what? It's I don't think he was good enough to win an Emmy. I was going to say it. No, no. See, the thing is, like his his decision
1: there would have been. I would say. I would say it would be a good idea if he himself was a better actor. Right. Right. Um. Uh, you know. The the aging backwards thing gives time for that revenge plot to stew. Um, I mean, it's it's relatable. Who doesn't want to have, you know, revenge against somebody who doesn't have certain regrets that they want to go back and fix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a great idea, but he is just a horrible actor. He's really horrible, bad horrible. at every stage big, of it. Um, big Rich Evans energy, I think. <laughs> in in his uh his portrayal of the old man character
0: for sure yeah (laughs) Um. that that's that's too spot on i mean so i i mentioned how the makeup itself was distracting the voice he puts on while while being Mm -hmm. old is equally distracting oh yeah he thinks thinks, like raspy whisper is an old man voice yeah and it's (laughs) it's so bad it's so one note and it's highlighted by the fact that the actress playing his wife is actually old, but, you know, a real human being. So she's, yeah. you know, she, she looks just like an old human being. She doesn't look like a burlap sack that's being like vacuum suctioned. <laughs> right, right. And let's talk about her
1: for a minute, Marsha. Because oh, um, she she was, I mean, God, she was god awful in this episode, too. I mean, just no no real emotion from her. And I mean... Don't get me wrong, because it was definitely an honor to work with her, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, as someone who's seen Pride and Prejudice a million times, like, just being able to even interact with her was, you know, it was a dream come true.
0: I remember when he found out that she was going to be there. That was, uh, might have been the happiest I've ever seen you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, up to that point, she was probably just, like, the most normal guest actor we'd had on set. Um, For those who don't know... Marsha Hunt was blacklisted from Hollywood back in the day for reasons that we don't really need to get into here. Um, you know, which I guess explains why in her later years she was dealing with stuff like, you know, Star Trek.
0: Yeah. Um, just whatever work uh, could get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but honestly, just the nicest person, thankfully an exceedingly normal human being. And um, she actually, she gave me this, this book that she autographed uh, the protocols of the elder of Zion I didn't know she um, autographed your copy. Oh my god, yeah, I still have it. It's on my desk right here. I I, I have it with me all the time. Uh, Mitch, it changed my life. It changed my life. She, she was such a complete sweetheart. Um, but just honestly, such a terrible performance. So below par, even in terms of Star Trek here. I have no idea what happened.
0: Right. It's... So with... Uh, I was going to say, luckily, her and Clayton have a bunch of scenes, just the two of them, which is, of course a delight but when <laughs> when he's doing like that old man raspy voice it's terrible but he you can tell he's trying to do something um mm-hmm. with marsha it's yeah there's no evidence of her giving a fuck at all she doesn't even have a wardrobe change in this episode yeah <laughs> it's all the same yeah. it's i i get it it was star trek season 1 um so it, like i said before it had no clout there was no gravitas to working there but mm-hmm. man at least try to you know do something for that paycheck we will just show up yeah
1: yeah yeah and i mean we, we haven't even touched on um oh man i'm blanking on his name now it, it, god help me um the the guy who was in the tribbles episode he was in the tribbles um, episode yeah, yeah, he was on the using the triples episode,
0: and this is the terrorist um, leader you're talking about. Yes, yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the name Vargas? Um, the character, not, or the... not the actor's
1: name, the character. Yes, It's like
0: Varnus or something Carnus okay, Carnit Carnus Carnus Carnus
1: Carnus. Yes, you're right. Carnus.
0: I'm always right, unless it's about the episode number, in which case I'm always wrong. <laughs> Anyway, Carnes is like the the completing the trifecta of the terrible guest actors on this episode. Mhm. Um absolutely. Uh, he's 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 always yelling stuff. Yeah. It's it, the worst part is most of his scenes are like just him being filmed talking to a camera like there's no other actors to play off of. Yeah, and, so there's no real context to like what he's he's supposed to be saying. <laughs> right. So what he He's supposed to, at first, be, like, the leader of this planet, and he's asking for help, so he's pretty just flat and diplomatic, which is whatever. Um, And then at some point, he flips to being a rogue terrorist leader. And really, Mm -hmm. the performance doesn't change all that much at all at that point. Like, the tone of what he's saying doesn't, like, grow more sinister or threatening or or anything. It's just still flat. Right.
1: Yeah, and and, at every turn... It's just, um, you you have a hard time caring about anything that happens to any of these characters. Like he doesn't even, like you said, yeah, he's, he's he's barely a real threat. You don't even feel, um, you know, like these characters are actually urged to do anything. I mean, so much of the episode is just spent on the enterprise, uh, with the crew debating whether or not they can trust the Admiral because he made himself younger, um, which, you know, Picard spends a lot of, I mean, okay. The Admiral himself is kind of a dick, right? I will give him that, but Picard spends a lot of his time being antagonistic towards him for no real reason.
0: I think that my favorite moments of this, of how ridiculously antagonistic Picard can be, is when the Admiral's telling him about like the anti-aging process, or the de-aging process, uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that the One Planet has, at a table with Picard. And Picard's like, no, no, that de-aging process is a myth. And he says that while staring directly at the admiral, who has de-aged, visibly.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, then, and then the admiral freaks out and uh, starts screaming about how he's fitter than Picard. Right. Um, <laughs> <it's just laughs> the emotions just skyrocket to 11 in that room for no real reason it's 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 manufactured conflict that really doesn't make any sense um and uh god i mean like i said they they it's almost like the admiral you're you're almost supposed to sympathize with the admiral but he's he's such an asshole that yeah. you 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 kind of can't i mean um the weird God. power like, struggle
0: like, between him and Picard, where he's like, "I'm leading the O.A. team." It's like, uh, yeah, I, no, I, yeah.
1: There was there was a the power struggle. There's his like weird motivations that uh, his his mysterious motivations that turn out to be just completely reasonable, um, you know. So he didn't really need to hide them. Um, there's his relationship with his wife, which is just, it, you it's know, like a, it's it's
0: it's underhanded and borderline rapey at times. Like, well yeah, so yeah. He's he's de-aging and like grabbing her and it's like, "Oh, now I can have fuck you cuz my legs work again." And she's like, "No, don't right. don't fuck me." And um, Right. It's it's it was very uncomfortable. Um okay. It was. It was I'm I'm pretty sure Conor was, you know, the
1: uh <laughs> kind of the catalyst here in in terms of getting those scenes on screen.
0: Well, he, he was um, improvising a lot of that and, you know, the reason it's the the reaction from Marsha was just kind of like tepid, no, don't fuck me, was obviously her effort was lacking. She wasn't really going to play ball with it, improvising anything that wasn't in the script. So Conor's right. like trying his best for some reason, I guess to impress people, but everybody was looking at it, and like some, some, of the, some of the female staff comments like, I don't think we should have these in the show, they're kind of rapey, these scenes. Right. And I, I think Conor himself made the point, it's like, well, they're married, so it's not really rape, right? And you know, mm-hmm. most of us voted on on his side of it to keep him in, but I don't think they ultimately, with the benefit of hindsight, I don't think they add that much to the show. These these scenes. The thing
1: is, the thing is, he's not wrong,
0: <laughs> right?
1: He's not he's not technically wrong, right. um, But the the way the scenes are portrayed, it's it just it doesn't go very far in terms of us getting to like him. You exactly. Know what I
0: mean? And um, you don't and 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 hating him doesn't benefit things either um right because the the whole arc of the episode is that this character ultimately gets his redemption but you don't really care to see him redeemed because you just feel like he's an an asshole it's like all right i guess yeah yeah it it (laughs) kind (laughs) of it
1: kind of just like uh you know peters out at the end without really um you know, any emotion to it at all, but we'll get to that. Um, I, I I would like to uh just touch upon some choice Troy quotes from this episode. Oh God, did you write these down? <laughs> I wrote these down. So, um, the first time they, the, you know, the Admiral and Picard are on the bridge and they contact Carnes, right? Mm-hmm. You remember this, yeah. where um yeah, they you know they, they have an exchange and then they they cut the transmission. And then Troy looks at the Admiral and says, um, you know, in, in reference to Karnas, uh, from his body language and tone, uh, you know, something, something, you know, some observation. He Like he's um, hiding
0: something or whatever.
1: Right, right, right. Um, but from his body language and tone? She's a mind reader. I'm sorry? Like... What anyone could do that anyone could say from his body language and tone, I think he's hiding something.
0: Um, the, the best would have been a response from Picard. It's like, uh, all right, but what was he thinking? Like, what, what was his emotions?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I could think through this entire scene was just, you know, he give us give us something more than you know what what we could you know possibly infer as the audience
0: without psychic powers. I, I like you know? I like to imagine Troy's like on her phone. And then she looks up. It's like, oh yeah. Um, from his tone, I, I think he's kind of angry. <laughs> um,
1: next one. Um, there's a scene, and I actually forget where its placement is in the episode. But she says, "Are you suggesting the terrorists want arms and weapons?"
0: <laughs> that, that didn't <laughs> stick out to me. But you know, when you say it out of context, that is a beautifully stupid line. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh finally um there there's a this isn't from troy but it's it's in reference to her mm-hmm. um picard and crusher are in picard's ready room right okay. um mind you um just just a little bit of trivia here there's there's a beautiful lionfish in the background that our fish master procured for this this scene uh um, always did great and just, work. And, and just a f- fucking beautiful specimen but anyway um crusher says i think the admiral is hiding something okay mm. and picard says to her that's an observation i'd expect from counselor troy and crusher kind of just like looks down and looks displeased yeah i remember this <laughs> <laughs> which it kind of kind of brings up the question like how do what do these people think
0: of troy <laughs> Just <laughs> bullying her about her incompetence behind her back. I love it. <laughs> there's,
1: there's really so much working against Troy in this episode. I couldn't help but notice it.
0: That's so good. <laughs> I want to point out too that ultimately Crusher and like her investigative um, approach to the Admiral here ultimately amounts to nothing. Over the course of the episode, um, right, like yeah, the admiral's obviously de aging. They don't really need to investigate that, and then they're That's like, pretty obvious, right? And then they ask him, "What's going on?" And he's like, "I'm de aging," and it's like, okay, oh, okay. Like the him falsifying his te- his test results um, didn't matter. His, his oh yeah, it goes nowhere. Right, him um, getting sick like on the the ship itself doesn't crusher doesn't really do anything about that so there's a lot of crusher in this episode but they it was kind of a formality where it's like all right this is like a body thing let's have the doctor talk about it but, but right all the information comes out of the guy's own volition without mm-hmm. any prompting from crusher and the one time she <laughs> she does suspect that something's going on picard just talks her down <laughs> equates her to troy
1: right right yeah it's, it, it basically amounts to nothing
0: so no reason Um, for her to be there Uh, aside from I guess her reviving him in the last three minutes so that he can make uh, the worst monologue performance I've ever seen on Star Trek give us some more
1: dumb platitudes
0: as as TNG loves to do she had to like make his eyes puffy and red that was uh, (laughs) that was her role so then he could stand right. up and like violently convulse and shake. I,
1: can we uh <laughs> <laughs> can we can we talk about the uh the the haunting music that, that plays, the haunting music sting that plays as, as the admiral slowly walks towards the enterprise control? Yes. Kind of like, um and everyone just kind of <laughs> stares
0: at him. And nothing doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh there, Why? And, and they make a point where he's like the Admiral says something and then Picard's like well Admiral you'll only be there for a couple of minutes and he's like I know I know and uh then that's it that's all they say about that there's yeah. there's none of, none, none of this like power struggle for the Enterprise like really the Admiral's very content to just have the away team under his purview um, mm-hmm. so really that whole Picard-Admiral dynamic doesn't amount to anything um, yeah they're like i i sowing these seeds of potentially interesting plot points that never never grow. that never go
1: anywhere yeah and I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words here because it's it's just so it's so amateur that none of this should have ever happened
0: right clown shoes amateur hour
1: it, 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 it honestly maybe Delancey was right about us <laughs> it was clown shoes amateur hour
0: Especially um, season one, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, just all over the place. Um, yeah, so I mean, God, where do we go from here? So, so he's de aging, um,
0: and oh, do you want to talk about the wheelchair? Yeah, I mean, I guess if we get too far away from the de aging, then it'll be difficult to to talk about it. But this wheelchair has become like a central figure. In in uh, our lives behind the scenes. I mean, yeah. If you it's, talk it's prime TNG. Stuff. Right. If you talk to anybody who's worked on TNG and mention just the wheelchair, they will know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, anyone who's there from the beginning, uh, for sure. And uh, so, I mean, God, where do we even start with this? So we got we got so many complaints about the stupid wheelchair that uh, that the admirals um, rolling around in. Uh, at least in the beginning, beginning half of this episode, because um, it costs what
0: somewhere around ten thousand dollars. Yeah, in in eighties money before like not yeah. adjusted for inflation, an absurd yeah. amount of money to make this thing. It was insane, and it barely worked. And like it it almost didn't
1: work at all. I mean, it was enough to just like very slowly get you from point A to point B, um, and that that opening mechanism. I mean, half the time it just it would just get stuck um so many so many takes wasted. Um, so yeah, just just a, a real piece of work, but Rick was really determined to get our money's worth out of it, I guess just to to salvage the whole situation because the, the higher ups were not happy with with our spending so much of the budget on this dumb little chair that was only going to be used for this one episode. right. Um, so Rick uh is his genius idea. Uh, was to replace the director's chair with it. So uh, after this episode, the, the rule was that the director had to be in the wheelchair at all times in order to uh, to, to get in character, as he would put it. Well, that, uh, right? It also
0: helped the actors to kind of get into the, especially, you know, guest actors, to get into, like, that sci-fi state of mind where they would look yeah, back yeah, at yeah. the camera and, like, on the other side of it would be this kind of futuristic uh, chair. Mm-hmm yeah exactly. it gets gets you in like a it gives you some kind of reference for
1: everything. um so it it did work to an extent. The only problem was right after this episode, the thing just stopped being able to make left turns. so uh so much time was just wasted on set doing three sixties on the thing. Um, so <laughs> this uh this just lasted probably until around what mid second season.
0: Yeah, it didn't, um, it didn't take very long for that thing to become non-functional. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we did eventually have to retire it. Um, luckily, you and I were able to take it for a spin two or three times before that happened. Oh, yeah. Um, You'd be surprised wide, on the top sure. speed of that thing. <laughs> for sure. For sure. You get that on the lot? Oh, man. Wild stuff. But,
0: yeah, I mean, just... Um, what a useless prop. Yeah, it's so the whole idea is like we have to communicate that he can't walk. And um it would be ridiculous to just have a wheelchair. In some people's minds. Right. That we have to have the right. space wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So
1: I mean never mind the fact that we're we're dealing with uh, you know, uh, office chairs in, in the the conference room. Right. You know? Just <laughs> just normal chairs. Um uh, which I guess the show does a good job of hiding on camera that they have the wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you do tend to not think about it, but I mean, just just a little bit of uh, of, of observational skills will lead you to realizing that yes, they're just office chairs. Um,
0: if, if this was yeah. made today, they would be uh, gamer
1: chairs. They they would be they would be. Um, look for that in Star Trek: The Card Season Two. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot wait. So God. Um where do we even go from here? So he's de aging. So he's de aging. Um, his, his, his whole thing is that he wants he wants to right the wrongs of sending this planet into a yeah. state
0: of hundred years of civil war or something. Forty years. So that's the thing. There's like a, a the, his backstory is not what it would seem to be. Um the if oh the official record is that he went and mediated this conflict and did a good job. And then the unofficial truth is that he went and supplied both terrorist parties with weapons yeah. so yeah. they could fight each other. Yeah. Um, I don't really get why he did that. I know that he gave them to one of the parties because they had hostages. I don't really know why he gave them to the other one. All oh, right, right. He rationalizes this as being the prime directive. Which exactly, is, yeah, not even a Starfleet admiral knows what the Prime Directive is. Apparently not, at least not in season one. No, no. So they okay by the Prime Directive. If I give them both the same weapons, then it would be like I didn't do anything at all, and the the things would play out normally. Which is right, right. How how would I know they would kill each other with the weapons I gave them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I think his rationale is like I thought it would only be like one or two years of war, not forty. Right. Right. Which you know,
1: I, I guess I, I can kind of sympathize with,
0: sure, whatever. Uh, um I think it's I think it's pretty dumb. I you know what I here's here's a I thought for the longest time, before I knew the end of the story, that there were no hostages because they're never shown. Uh, right. I was fully expecting the turn to be to be that there were no hostages at all. Because why else would you never ever even make visual reference to them? And it was also weird Wheel- yeah, that's, that's the magic of this episode is that nothing is shown. Right. Right. The whole backstory is all told. The specifics of the, the, the aging mechanics are, are all told. You don't even see him take the medicine. Um... <laughs> the hostage situation
1: you don't see him take the medicine what the hell <laughs> i never noticed this but yes you never see him take the medicine which is just
0: mind-boggling like that could be the stinger you know it's before you cut to commercial he he yes. like wheels into the the other room away from his wife and like looks over his shoulder and takes out a bottle of pills or something and takes them this whole them script in and, is just amateur it is it, it is and again as we mentioned this is compounded by all the telling that they do is done by these subpar actors or actors who just aren't trying right
1: right um yeah yeah uh i mean what else do you say here (laughs) they 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 go down to the tunnels where the admiral thinks the hostages are in the same exact place as they were 40 years ago based on nothing based on nothing. And you know, if you're dealing with the same guy who you think is probably trying to trap you, why would he do the same thing as
0: 40 years ago? They, they get, he's confronted too, with the knowledge that things are not exactly the same. You know, data is like, Oh, right. you're going the wrong way. And like, Oh, they installed this new steel plate to block our way and despite right. it should be through this wall break it down <laughs>
1: literally brute forcing the entire run
0: and then they do just break down the wall and um on the other side are, are like a bunch of um rebel troopers from the first star wars movie
1: mm-hmm. yeah 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 they have a little gunfight and he gets shot right
0: no he doesn't get shot i i his, i think his, oh, he, oh right, right. it's just, just his illness yeah Yeah, yeah. So, completely emphasizing the trivialness of um, an away team engaging in a firefight, Picard just asks for them to be beamed back, and then they are. (laughs) 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 Right. right. Why don't they It's like, oh, uh, Enterprise, um, 12 to beam directly to the brig. Like... (laughs) 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 why don't they (laughs) why don't they like i i can understand that at some point you just need the stories to work and um
1: well yes i mean there's there's drama involved but yeah that is that is another trek thing that i guess we haven't really touched upon too much but just how convenient it is to beam people away from intense situations yeah um but i guess we're just gonna have to ignore that here um so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's really the thrust of the episode. You, you know, the, the guy, um, they, they make it to Carnas's office. By beaming where, there. By beaming there. Carnes, um, they, they spend like a good seven, eight minutes um, with a back and forth with Carnes, where uh, he just refuses to believe this is the Admiral despite, you know, having seen him when he was this age. Right, uh, forty years ago, and knowing what he looks like, <laughs> um, there's so much fun. It's the, it's the it's it's it's, it's so uh, uh, what's I don't even know what the word is. I mean, it's 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 Useless? awful. It's it's just awful. Waste yeah, of time. I mean, it's
0: a waste of time. Yes, it's a waste of time because um, th- this feels very much like the script was X amount of pages too short, and um, right how do how do we how do we feel the rest of the time and and like there is like maybe somebody would say well how does he recognize him because he's so young now but that takes one or two lines of dialogue not not three pages worth (laughs) It's, it's funny it's funny
1: because you know when you mention it seems like the script is too short that we're gonna have to introduce um a character real life not 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 trek um that we haven't really we haven't really talked about in our ready room here yet, right? Oh no, not not this. Time. Yeah, yeah. This is uh this 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 is his big debut. Not his not his first appearance, but his first I guess significant one. Yes. Right? Um and that's Gene's lawyer Leonard. And uh, I mean I'll spare the details since any Trek fan probably knows by now, but by this point, Leonard had become very bold in exploiting Gene's declining mental faculties, right? Mm. Power uh, of attorney. In order to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was he was cr- trying to get his own rewrites into, into the episode scripts. Leonard was. Um, and, uh, well, he tried to do that in this episode. Um, with, uh, well, okay. So Leonard was a very prolific writer of, uh, Christ, ar- uh, ar- erotic... Ar- Trek fiction um and he was particularly interested in Wesley um you know he penned some of the well-known classics like Star Sex the XXX Generation uh Breast Milk Battle Book right I, I remember that one because of the alliteration in the title yes yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that—that that was that was uh, a, a, a real classic. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, he penned these under pseudonyms, so of course, you probably—if you have read those, which I'm sure a lot of our audience has—you um, wouldn't know it was written by him. But yes, these, these are all these are all Leonard. Um, but in in any case, he's very interested in Wesley. Um, so you know, imagine the chaos that ensued one morning when the writers' room came in to find a script filled to the brim.
0: With Wesley scenes. Hmm. Like, you thought episodes um, (laughs) had a heavy wesley focus before. You can't even fathom what this script was like. No, no, no. DC Fontana was absolutely furious.
1: And she was, in fact, so furious that she completely scrapped Wesley from the episode. Just Mm. out of spite. Um, And, you know, we had already had actual Wesley scenes in this episode. So, um,
0: just all those gone. Now, well, part of of it was going to be that Wesley was the one who would develop a cure for, um, the Admiral's condition.
1: Yeah, of course. Yes. Yes. You know, as, as he's want to do, yes, Wesley was
0: going to save the day.
1: Right. Um, but yeah, then we, we were, we were just kind of left with nothing, just nothing. Um, you know, thankfully we didn't have to deal with Will for a whole week. So, so that was nice, but, Mm. um, we were left with a script that had a ton of holes in it. Which is which is why this one seems to drag as much as it does, is because you know there's just, just no Wesley at all.
0: Um, yeah, without so Wesley yeah, there the... to save the day, really nobody else in in the cast or and none of the other characters could do it. So right,
1: so they're all stuck there, you know, kind of just staring at each other, watching this man die. Exactly. Uh, that that that's what I think we ultimately decided on was um,
0: if Wesley can't save him, no one can. Right, which would only emphasize Wesley in his inevitable return. Um, right, it was supposed to right. work between episodes, but yes, instead we of that we have three minutes of explaining to a character things the audience already knows, um, just for their own benefit. And and you know
1: it's not it's not a bad um, it's not a bad ending. I mean I appreciate
0: okay no actually no, 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 no hold on. <laughs> No, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to let you get away with saying that. So not, okay, no, 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 I was, I was, I was about to explain. <laughs>
1: Conceptually, it's not a bad ending. What is the, the idea? What concept? Oh, okay, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. The idea of the theme of this episode is revenge, right? Yes. And the admiral beams down to the planet, and uh, basically, the the two, like he and Carnes, realize that. They're both kind of past their prime, washed up, and there's, despite the fact that they despise each other, there's nothing they can do about it anymore. You know, it's like it, time has just kind of taken its toll, and in, in, no matter what they do, it's not going to be a satisfying conclusion. That's why Carnus releases the hostages. He's just like, you know, well,
0: it, it, what is there anymore? I've held onto this for so long sure sure thematically it works and i guess i agree exactly. with you at that point when you're talking about right, conceptually. right right sure right um but every stage of this is is <laughs> fumbled in some regard so
1: it, it, it does it does its best to to ruin it
0: for sure i i, I and i want to hammer on all these points because i really hated these ending scenes um first <laughs> you have the the final confrontation between the admiral and Karnas where the admiral proves his identity to Carnus and has like uh, uh, a bit of a final monologue while violently shaking and convulsing and looking ridiculous which i think mm-hmm. only serves to rob the scene of some of its uh, dramatic tension when it's when he's acting so silly there's that most of it yeah there's the 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 nitpicky thing of if if de-aging is doing what it is doing to his body then then why does he still have the scar of um, when uh, him and Carnas made, like, a blood oath? Um, they, like, cut each other's uh, scars or whatever. They made scars on each other. But, like, yeah. what, what kind of de-aging is going to get rid of wrinkles and, and all that kind of stuff and then not impact scarring at all? It's like, right. what, what what do people think aging is? There's this that. isn't,
1: like, a going back in time type thing. This is, like, a cell's, like... Yeah, uh, uh, being born type thing. Remember, this right? is science fiction.
0: Um, so yes, completely, you're right. It it is more science based like that. Um, there's that. Uh, there's the fact that when the admiral appears and Carnus accepts him, Carnus is like, "All right, I'm gonna kill you," and then in the same breath, "No, wait, I'm gonna let you live like this. This is a better revenge for me," just mm-hmm. without even thinking about it, just instantly. And like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess gave me a little bit of whiplash there. <laughs> what second decision there, right? Then, after the Admiral dies and everything's ostent, and the hostages are agreed to let go, they go back to the Enterprise, and there's some expository dialogue with, like, oh, yeah, the Admiral's wife chose to have him buried on this planet that the uh, Carnus is on, and it's like, why? That's just one job that he did 40 years ago? The planet has no significance to him? (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was a little odd too. It's like we just don't want to have to show the body being moved around the Enterprise or something. It made no sense.
1: No, it didn't. It didn't make any sense. Um, That, uh, God, that whole scene was just a mess. And, uh, I mean... The most offensive part of the episode, I think, is at the very, very end, right? When, when we're back on the Enterprise. And Picard starts waxing poetic about the quest for youth, um, which was not the theme of the episode at all. No. Or at least, you know, that was not what was, pre- what was presented to be the theme of the episode. The theme of the episode was, as I took it, was revenge, as, as we've been discussing. Right. But it ends on Picard talking about
0: the quest for youth. What? Yeah, the the writers didn't understand their own episode.
1: No, they didn't. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense.
0: And the quest for youth is as a theme, like let's say that they wanted that to be the theme and it just didn't come through. It's such a bad theme because who's going to relate to that? Like who who right. are who are the Trek fans that are like Using anti-aging creams and <laughs> and all all these body care things to keep to keep themselves young. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think uh, I don't think reverting their own age was really a concern for most Trek fans. No, not at all. So, I mean, granted, not that the average Trek fan is really going to have an opportunity to get revenge on anything, but at least they'll right. be like, "Whoa, cool right. revenge!" blah. Right. 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 But no, it's the theme of the episode was either miscommunicated or forgotten about, depending mm, on, on the last right, depending on the intent. So it's yeah. yes. When you when you're thinking about given the theme of this episode, how this episode should end, those events do happen, but they're just written and acted and communicated so terribly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, at the end of the day, this is an episode that when when you hear the synopsis. You would think, oh, this sounds like it could be a good episode,
0: and it's just not. No, it's just got awful. If you like shots of characters, um, entirely cloaked in shadow, then I think this is the episode for you. Otherwise, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot here.
1: Yeah, um, I'm not really sure what the idea was with these. I mean, obviously, it was to hide his
0: face. Right, but they do it at times where there's no progression from the last time you saw him to the next time you see him. Right, right. So
1: I I really don't know... I don't know what Rob was thinking, including as many
0: of those scenes as there were. Right, like, it's certainly cool to see non-standard lighting, um, because the lighting can be really flat at times. If it was used to any real effect, it would have been great, but it just really wasn't. It, It reminds me of, like inspector gadget like like where there's dr claw sitting at his desk in the dark (laughs) and you never see his face yeah Yeah, it is about that juvenile yes the the raspy voice certainly doesn't help Mm -hmm. he's sitting there like on with his community he's like oh they'll never know that i was the one who sold the weapons (laughs) 40 years ago Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it all feels very amateur the whole episode does and uh I, I can't wait to never watch it again.
0: Yeah, this is it's uh, certainly down there. Perhaps we'll do a a comprehensive season one ranking at some point, because um, I would like yeah. to I would like to know which one is definitively the worst. And, right, uh, right. This, this is in contention.
1: Well, yeah, it it really is just just because of its um like like we've been saying like I've been saying you know just how how good the premise could could be. Yeah. Uh, versus the actual product it's it's very
0: disappointing certainly certainly it's um it was too too long an episode i had to look up the fucking title so i could make that joke i did not have it on hand
1: <laughs>
0: i was like two something
1: <laughs> uh well well should should we move on to my uh, my question of
0: the week for you yes please all right, Mitch. Currently, O for this, ten, perhaps. This, this this one's a bit of a freebie. Okay. Okay.
1: So, um, in fact, the audience might know this. So the scene where the away team goes to the tunnels, right? Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I said yeah. Oh, okay. Um. In the background, there's a matte painting, hmm. you know, kind of extending the view of the tunnel. What popular
0: 1980s science fiction movie was that matte painting borrowed from? Um, well, I think Zardoz was a little earlier than the 80s, so that can't be it. Um, same thing with Logan's Run; that was in the 70s, so that can't be it. Um, Star Wars also 70s. So that cannot be it. Um, good Lord. When did Soylent Green come out? That might I mean, Star Wars out. is also Fox. So. <laughs> so yeah, probably not gonna. <laughs> 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 not that level of camaraderie between people. Um, I'm just trying to think of 80s sci-fi in general. Unless it was like a later Star Wars non-Fox film.
1: No, no. I'll I'll give you a hint.
0: Okay. Um, shalom. Shalom. Oh boy. Spaceballs. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! I did it! I did it! I got one. Wow, Mitch. Holy shit. You did it. This is a historic day. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So what wow. scene in
1: Spaceballs is that from? When they're running down the, uh, the 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 corridors of the
0: Mega Maid? Okay. Yeah. But you weren't ready for me to get that. I was not. I was not. Despite identifying so. it as a freebie. <laughs>
1: That was just to rub
0: it in. Oh my god! Well, you wow. it was maybe wow. you, you, you did give a hint. To be fair,
1: well, you know, I I don't I may have to uh, to
0: change the segment now. Now that you've gotten one, it's it just until I experience some amount of success, and at that point, we got to call it call it <laughs> yes. quits. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually my plan for the podcast in general.
1: <laughs> well. I think we're going to make it all the way through, thankfully.
0: Can't wait. Well, I'm excited to see what we have cooked up next time, whether or not it's more trivia or a brand new segment that will be equally as vexing to me. But until then, (laughs) when we find out, everybody out there, please stay ready. The troublesome little man child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been... I suppose.
1: Ginny, Ginny.